Welcome to the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by myself, Danny Perez. This is episode 84 featuring Dr. Ted Monick. He is a sports psychology consultant and mental skills coach who has a background in working with surgeons in the sport of baseball, gymnastics, and in the sport of hockey. He's worked with players, coaches, teams in the NHL, AHL, USHL, and NCAA. But before we get to today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm extremely excited to have you on. We have uh, Dr. Ted Monick on today. He's a mental conditioning and performance coach. Um, welcome onto the podcast. Thank you, Danny. If you could please uh, just introduce yourself to everybody about yourself and um, the work that you've done and just a little bit of uh, a background. Sure, sure. Um, I've, uh, I'm a sports psychology consultant and mental skills coach. I... Uh, work in uh, several different uh, sports, <clears throat> baseball, ice hockey, uh, gymnastics. Um, I've even worked with surgeons, anyone that needs to perform well under pressure. Um, I help uh, them do that. My background is uh, I've got a doctoral degree and graduate degrees, of course, uh, in sport and exercise psychology and kinesiology. I've been a, uh, uh, an ice hockey goalie coach for 25 years and uh, have uh, been a assistant coach and video coach as well in the uh, uh, East Coast Hockey League, the ECHL. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have here that you're from Pittsburgh, PA originally. Yeah, um, that's right. Got your education over at UNC uh, Charlotte correct greensboro actually okay. university of north carolina at greensboro okay because i have yeah okay gotcha and then um, biology degree at memphis state university not a degree but i studied there also okay gotcha yeah, yeah so i kind of want to talk about um how you got into that originally and how you got into you know the the mental performance world and kind of what led sure. you into that pathway so i've been a, a lifelong ice hockey goalie and goalies tend to have a lot of mental challenges in their performance. It's just a part of the game. And uh, uh, in one of my uh, last seasons, before I retired, I found that uh, I was struggling with some things having to do with where I placed my focus, uh, how I controlled my emotions. And I went to a sports psychologist and I worked with her. It was, uh, it was Dr. Eva Monsma, who's at the University of South Carolina. I was with the Columbia Inferno in the ECHL at the time. And uh, Dr. Mahansma uh, shared a lot of literature with me, a lot of good information, uh, got me very interested in the topic. And uh, throughout the rest of the year as a goalie coach, coaches started sending me athletes that uh, needed some help with their mental game. Uh, they felt that I had some um, insight into it. And uh, I decided about 12 years ago that um, I didn't want to just dabble in that. I wanted to go ahead and uh, pursue professional credentials uh, in that. And so uh, 10 years later, uh, I'm a doctor and uh, uh, working mostly in ice hockey. That's my greatest sports competency. But as I've said, I've been pulled into baseball, um, NCAA baseball. Um, I work with hockey players all over the world now. And most of my work is we just talk, we chat. And with uh, the pandemic and all, this is our medium here doing just like we are now. Um, I've got a, 
an appointment with a client after this. And we'll, we'll do just that. So essentially it was from kind of getting into your, you know, having your own personal experiences with uh, managing those emotions that led you into it, which is similar to my story with starting this, just my um, inability to manage my emotions and um, that affecting my play in my life that kind of led yeah. me to start this. So um, yeah. that's very interesting that you bring that up. Um, so then as far as your approach to working with the players that you do work with, I understand on your website, you talk about focus and concentration, motivation, imagery, visualization, emotion, stress, and coping, self-confidence, self-esteem. I feel like those are kind of like the big pillars of, I guess, just performance as an athlete, but I feel like just managing our emotions as humans in general, kind of how do you see those going hand in hand with, you know, being able to manage those just as a person and how doing that well translates to performance um, on the yeah. ice and the field, whatever that, that may be. Yeah. A longtime client of mine uh, who's now retired from ice hockey was a stellar goaltender and received many, many awards and a lot of acclaim and uh, um, won, uh, you know, just, just all kinds of records set. And um, I was at one of his games and between periods, I was back in the concourse getting a hot dog or something beautiful young woman ran up to me. Oh, it's a good day. And, uh, <laughs> and I recognized, Oh, it's that goalie's fiance. Wonderful. I greeted her and, and we had a nice chat. And uh, then, you know, the period was going to start. So we excused ourselves, started to walk away. And she turned around and said, Teddy, wait, she ran back up to me and she said, don't stop doing that Zen thing you do. He's never been easier to live with. Wow. I'm like, wow, that is the best testimonial I've ever received. I work with this guy so he can perform well, mm -hmm. but she lives with him. And this shows how this work, it doesn't just spill over into our lives. We only have one brain. We only have one mind. And that's what I work with. I, I cultivate mental conditioning, mental strength, the ability to manage the mental challenges that we face. But the very same mental challenges we face in a game, we face in life, whether they're thought-based or emotional-based. And so he's using the skills I'm teaching him and applying them to his life and becoming easier to live with. So it's not just him, but it's affecting, it's going out and affecting the people in his world. Wow. Wow. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. So that's, that's the big picture. Uh, the way that I approach it, the nuts and bolts of approaching it <clears throat> is number one, my doctoral research was called mental skills or mental skills training for ice hockey goalies. And the point of that was to identify the mental challenges that goalies face through, through empirical research, through evidence-based research, interviewing hundreds of goalies at all levels of the sport. And then statistically quantifying and qualifying that data to give us results. What are the big challenges? And then what are the mental skills? What is their understanding of mental skills training? And what do they want? So what I found in my research was there are, and typically this is in all sports, there are two classifications of mental challenges, ones that are emotion-based and others that are thought-based. And, um, and then what we found in asking about mental skills is that they wanted them badly, but they didn't know what they were. They knew that they had nervousness, anxiety, runaway thinking, putting too much pressure on themselves, unable to focus, unable to concentrate, distracted. Their self-confidence was challenged. They reacted emotionally to this in many ways. We see anger when a goalie bangs a stick. But what led to that? 
Maybe it was a goal. And there was embarrassment, shame. Well, how do, how do we as men show our emotions? We only show one. And we use it to address sadness, shame, fear, upset. We express it with anger. This is something that's part of our society. Men are taught to, and also I work with women, and they express it. But they express some of these emotions differently. But there's that anger. What did that come from? I teach them how to manage that. How to man? What does a goal really represent? I teach my clients that that goal that they just got scored on them is the greatest thing that could ever happen to their career. They're like, it's the worst thing. I said, why did it go in? I gave up a bad rebound. So how do we prevent that again? I work with my goalie coach on rebounds until they don't happen. Right. Now you've gotten better. I've uh, One of the big influences on me in my studies and my, my research was a man that studied comparative mythology named Joseph Campbell. And one of his quotes, something he said was, where you stumble, there lies your treasure. It's exactly what that is. Where you failed, there's the opportunity, the realization of what I can, I need to focus on. What I need to focus on. And so make a mental note of that. I tell younger goalies, are your, do your parents come to your games? Yeah. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's worse than being a goalie, being a goalie parent. And uh, so much pressure, so much stress, so much worry. I said, get them a notebook, give them a notebook. And you tell them, any goals that get scored, I want you to write down where the shot came from, where did it go in? And I said, I don't care if you look at this, but you take that notebook to your goalie coach sessions. Goalie coach says, what are we going to work on today? Typically, a goalie says, I don't know. And the goalie coach has to do a quick assessment. It's not very good. And you just do this generalist stuff and um, burn up an hour of ice time. You walk in there. The goalie coach says, what are we working on today? You hand him that notebook and says, say, fix it. Goalie coach is like, hallelujah, I got drills for this. Mm. I got drills for this. And the goalie works it and works it and works it. And I can explain what happens in his brain, in his nervous system, when he practices, practices, practices. And I do tell them. I say, nothing I will ever tell you to do is a mystery. I'll explain the entire process. But they do that. They practice it. They get better until the coach cannot score on that again. No more bad rebounds. Over the glass, with the stick, into the body, into the glove, freeze it on the ice. No more rebounds. We're better. We go out there and face it again. That goal doesn't go in. But we get scored on it another way. Mom, dad, you get it? Yep, got it. Go to the goalie coach, fix it. Goalie coach is like, I like this. I like this goalie. He's motivated. Mm -hmm. He tells the head coach, this is what this kid's doing. Head coach looks over and I all right, Perez is motivated. He wants it. I want him. And it trickles out there. This guy is hungry. This goalie wants it. He wants to improve. And that hunger, what we call that is intrinsic motivation. He's not playing to win the game. He's playing to always be better. To just for the love of playing, for the love of improvement. This is what we want the athletes to be. Intrinsically motivated not extrinsically motivated. I'm just playing to win the trophy. I got the trophy. I don't need to practice anymore. The intrinsically motivated goalie plays in the championship, lets in two goals, but wins the championship. He calls the goalie coach the next day. Let's get on the ice. Goalie coach is like, why? You just won the championship. I let in those two goals. I want to work on that. That's, that's the kind of goalie we want. That's the kind of athlete we want who are, just in love with their position, in love with their sport. And they're playing for the love of the game. They won't lose that. But if you're extrinsically motivated, playing for the cookie, once you get it, you're long, you lose your motivation. Some general principles I manage and deal with. Yeah. So essentially, it's just more so worrying about the process as opposed to just being so goal-oriented in, in a way. And I think yes. that that's something that we've talked about many times in this podcast with other, you know, sports psychologists, clinical therapists. It's just, it's not about the goal. It's about the process of getting there. And 
And I think you give an unbelievable example with, with the goaltender example of, you know, seeing that and shifting that perspective on this is the worst thing that's happened to know this is the best thing that's happened. This is exposing a weakness in, in your game, in your play yeah. that you now have tangible evidence to say, okay, I got to fix this. And now you know exactly what to hit. I think yeah. that having that perspective shift is huge when you see these obstacles, thing, you know, obstacles or whatever it may become across you or in your way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it also starts to manage then some of the emotion. I tell them, you just got scored on. Don't move. Stay there. Look around. And, and if you're going to be upset. You're going to feel like <clears throat> maybe you're D planted his skates on the blue line. Puck got shipped around him. Here it comes again. You know, that was my problem in my career. That's why I went to the sports psychologist. I had a rookie D on my team. He'd plant his blades on the blue line. Puck would be chipped around him on the boards. Here comes another breakaway. Finally, it's like, I'm getting angry at him. I'm yelling at him. And so what am I focusing on at that critical moment? You're him. focusing on the wrong thing, yep. On the guy. But what should I be focusing on? A breakaway. Yeah, exactly. And I was getting scored on. I'm like, what's yeah. going on here? I got to get a hold of this. And then I came to realize that's my job. Mm -hmm. All right. So he didn't do his right. That's not my job. That's my job is not to yell at him. That's the coach's job. What's my job? To save his butt, to stop that puck, to show how good I am. Am I out there to just stand and watch the game? No, I want shots. I want shots. That's intrinsic motivation. Do I want to be out there and just have an easy game and win and be bored? That's extrinsic motivation. So I finally worked it out. And the same thing happened. But by then I realized, uh-oh, Bobby's getting on the ice. I made that name up. Hmm. And so be ready. Just be ready. Okay. Oh, here he comes. Oh, here we go. Breakaway. I got this. Go out. Challenge. Back up slower than the guy's coming in. Let him reach me at the top of the crease. Just look at the puck. Just look at the puck. He deeks that way, goes that way. I go into a butterfly slide. Puck goes right into my gut. Nowhere else it could go. I hold it. I get the whistle. Bobby comes over to me and says, oh, thanks, man. You saved me. It's my job, buddy. We're a team. He bought me beers that night. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. But then that instills, if I'm not yelling at the guys, you're screwing up. You're screwing up. They're looking like, damn, it gets tired listening to that old goalie. Oh, yeah. Then. I'm just, I got it, boys. I got it. That actually starts to inspire confidence. And that then infects the team. Hey, Teddy's back there. He's got it. We can play a little more aggressively. We trust Teddy to cover for us. Coaches love that. So the team plays more aggressively with more confidence when I'm in the net. Well, coach, who's the coach wanting the net? Me, that goalie. So all of this, yeah, I'm dealing with my issues, but it starts to influence the team with confidence, the coach with confidence in me. So I get more playing time, and that means I get to move up. So there's this great – it's an issue of what we can control. We can only control two things in our world. I can only control two things. You can only control the same two things. Your viewers can only control the same two things. And those two things are attitude and effort. That's all you can control. You cannot control winning the game. You can influence it. You cannot control what your coach will think about you, but you can influence it. You cannot control whether your defenseman likes you or not, but you can influence it. So we focus on what we can control. And when we do that successfully, the result is that influence spreading out, spreading out, spreading out. We want our coaches to view us as leaders, good in the room, good on the ice. The guys like them. The guys want to play for each other. It builds team, team strength. It, it creates this chemistry that, that is suddenly ignited whoosh, by that display. So we focus on our controllables, attitude and effort. 
having a good, constructive, positive attitude, not focusing on the negatives, which are self-perpetuating. Is this going to be one of those games? I don't know if I can beat this team. I've never beat this team. That other goalie is so much better than me. Now, number one, you can't influence. You can't even influence some of those things. Definitely can't control them. Definitely can't control them. Something else that I came up with this, I'm sure somebody else has too. And I've been teaching this to my clients for about two years. And I ask them, what's the best game you've ever played? Can you remember the best game you ever played? It doesn't have to be this season. It doesn't have to be last season. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I remember a game. And uh, I said, everything just worked out, right? It seemed effortless, right? They said, yeah. I said, I would say, so how did you feel in that game? Can you remember? Oh, yeah. I felt invincible. I didn't even have to try. I was just there. Everything was clicking. I was in the zone. Remember those feelings. Remember those feelings. Now, we're going to give that game a name. That name of that game now is Danny's game. That's Danny's game. And we're going to use Danny's game in every session you have now. It can be practice. It can be a game. But Danny, you're only going to play your game. And that tremendously successful game, it was no fluke. It wasn't magical. All it is composed of is good fundamentals good basics, nothing else. When I'm on the ice working with an NHL player, an NHL goalie, they don't want fancy drills. They just want a little movement and a shot, movement and a shot. They want to keep their basics sharp. But when we're having a bad game, we think we need to fix something. So we might play with more depth this way, that way, closer to the net. We come out of our game and that doesn't improve anything. It just gets worse. But when we play Danny's game with those good fundamentals, those good basics, we just focus on those. Not the other goalie, not the other team, just Danny's game. If it's the first place team we're playing, we play Danny's game. If it's the last place team we're playing, we play Danny's game. It doesn't matter who was playing. We only play that game, which was our best game and is now our game. This is our rule. We only play Danny's game. I ask, what is it composed of? They say, good basics. I said, name for me, three goaltending basics. Uh, Vision, movement, depth. Right, it could be rebound control, control of the rush, save selection, angles, any of those, they're basics. We want to know what they are. And just like we're at a clinic or a tryout, we want perfect basics. For Danny's game, that's what it's composed of. So we go out there and simply do that. Not worrying about who it is, who's at the other end. We play our game. Now, I've had clients recently, new clients, they'll just schedule one session with me. And oftentimes they're on a bad team, a weak team, and they're just on constant losing streaks and they're losing their confidence. And I teach them this idea. And their parents will contact me afterwards and say, you know, he was kind of skeptical going into the meeting and he came out of it so excited. It blew his mind, this idea of his game. One father of a younger goalie, I said, I want you to write on a a piece of paper, play Johnny's game, just play Johnny's game. And you hold that up out the stands. So he looks it up, up at you and all the goalies look to their parents and he sees just play Johnny's game. That's all you play. And then they, that's the mantra. That's the focus. Good fundamentals, good basics. It's the foundation of the game. If a team plays well, they have good fundamentals. So this can apply to an entire team. What was your best game, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where was everybody? Every Go to the open ice, head on a swivel, stick on the ice, tape to tape, go to the net, shoot the puck. Good fundamentals, good basics. It can apply to the team. It can apply to the player. It can apply to the goalie. And we're finding that these guys are, they like this because it's affirming in them that they play, that was their game. They're not trying to play some pro's game, their hero's game, which they think is unaccessible. 
they're, they just want to play the game they've already played. It's accessible. You've already done it. There's no secrets. This is all it's composed of. These are some of the principles I like to work with. The foundation of my work and my practice is cultivating self-awareness. We can't begin to work with the mind until we realize what it's doing, how it thinks, how it thinks without us even knowing, so that we find ourselves with runaway thoughts or with uncontrolled emotions. We never ask ourselves, do you really want to get angry now? Is it really what's best for us? No, we just get angry and say things that we later regret. With the training, cultivating the self-awareness, we become aware of what my mind is doing. Just like I said, oh, here comes Bobby on the ice. I know what's going to happen. Don't get upset. Your, your time, you're, you're up now. You're up. Here we go. Might be a breakaway. Okay, I got that. I got that. And what we use to instill this foundation of self-awareness is meditation. Meditation. I work with a few professional goalies in Sweden. And um, the first summer of the pandemic, we would get online together just like this. Mm. And we would meditate. We would do it together. And I would lead them. And we're just sitting there focusing on our breathing. And I would, it would be a guided meditation. And then I just let it go. And we would do it. And it, it got to the point where they would contact me and say, hey, Coach Teddy, let's do the heavy lifting. I said, there you go. Yeah. It's the hardest. It's the hardest thing we practice, too. Mm -hmm. because. We're trying to become aware and start to affect some control. And uh, just like lifting weights, can we go in the gym, lift a weight once and be stronger? Can we, Danny? Not a chance. No. We have to lift the weights a lot. Yep. And for a, a long time. Same with this practice and most of my skills. You have to practice it daily in order for your mind to be conditioned, for you to realize this is how it works. That's what my thoughts look like. I'm not going to have it now. Let it go. Mm -hmm. Recognizing what might cause a thought to arise, what might cause an emotion. Yeah, it's pretty wild how that actually does make a huge difference in helping you recognize these thoughts that you're experiencing and that come up throughout the day. Uh, I'm curious to you know your approach. One, one approach that I have been using with meditation. I've tried the Headspace app. And I use that for a while. Um, I think that that was great for me. But one thing I've recently done was um, five in through the nose, five breaths out or five seconds out um, through the mouth. And you want to feel it in your stomach. So it goes all the way out down into your stomach. Um, sure. And I do that for seven minutes. And that's an oh, approach. Very. And that's an approach that I tried that that's worked for me. <clears throat> Started at five, worked up to seven. I'm yeah. just continually bringing up the time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious your approach to meditation and um, kind of some of the things that maybe you prescribe to the athletes that you work with or something that you implement in your day-to-day. Because -day. I feel like there's a lot of different things with meditation. So I'm curious. There is, and there's a lot coming at us. Yep. Lots of apps. Let me say this. What has been found in my field of practice professionally is that meditation apps cultivate dependence. Okay? Cultivate dependency. You don't need anything for you to meditate. What you need is self-discipline. Every day, starting out for five minutes, when you wake up in the morning, just sit in your meditation chair. Focus on your breathing. All of the sensations of your breathing. Inhaling through your nose. Pausing. Exhaling through your mouth. Inhaling through your nose. And pretty soon, you're going to find yourself thinking. And we identify that as thinking, and we breathe it out on the next breath and return our focus to our breathing. And we, that's all we do. That's it. This is an ancient, ancient technique that comes from originally from India and then into Tibetan Buddhism thousands of years ago. It's called Shamatha meditation. All it means is sitting and breathing meditation. And that's all we're doing. And it allows us to identify the thoughts. Now your five to seven breath or second um, breath work, that focused breath work. I use that, but in a different way, but for a similar result. Now the meditation, the Shamatha meditation, we don't do that near a game because it can relax us. We do it in the morning when we wake up and we find our day is just a little better. 
Keep doing that Zen thing. He's never been easier to live with. Yeah. Um, but the counted breathing, the counted breathing, I thought their name for it is square breathing because you could, you could go inhale, count to four, pause, count to four, exhale, count to four, pause, count to four. That's one cycle. Mm-hmm. Inhale to four, pause to four, exhale to four. And you can visualize that. What you're doing with that is, and always inhaling through your nose and exhaling through your mouth. All these components are essential. And the effect they have is it takes so much mental attention, so much focus to inhale through your nose, count to four at the same time, pause to four, exhale from your mouth to four, pause to four. So much focus on that. There's no room for thought. Mm -hmm. No room for thought. So this same goalie whose girlfriend came to me, I was at a game of his, another one. They won the game two to four, four to two. Great score. And uh, we went out to dinner afterwards. And after we ordered, he looks up at me like this. And he said, so how do I look? And I said, what do you mean? How'd you look? You look like your usual great self. And I said, why did you ask? He said, I felt terrible. I said, you did. He said, couldn't you see? I said, no. I said, what was wrong? Before I came to the arena, I had a terrible fight with that same girlfriend. Uh He said it was pretty bad. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, so how'd it go? He said, all of these emotions, anger, resentment, hate, sorrow, grief, all of it's just flaring up, surging inside of me, taking my breath away, twisting me up in knots. I said, ma'am, what did you do? said, I used the counted breathing. And when we're done, like we had agreed, I just looked at the white ice in front of my crease and said, focus on the next shot. Focus on the puck. I said, he said, you couldn't see anything. I said, nothing. I said, so that took care of it? He said, no. It kept up the entire game. I said, whoa. You know, that's an excellent description of hell. Mm -hmm. To be in that mental, painful turmoil. And he said, I said, well, so what did you do? I, I kept doing the counted breathing. Did it help you? Yeah, I was able to focus after that. I said, man, wow, congratulations. You are mentally conditioned. You face these challenges, not from the ice, but from life coming in, that were going to just totally destroy your ability to play that game. And you use these skills to manage that, just to manage it. And you did your job that you're being paid to do. You won the game four to two. Your team didn't have to score eight goals. They only had to score four. And I tell my goalies, frankly, you know, in, a, in an average game, you're allowed to give up one goal again, a period. He made, he only gave up two. I said, wow, wow. And I tell all of my clients, I can't whisper a magic word in your head and have the world become unicorns and rainbows. We're still going to face challenges. But what you're going to find through more and more of this practice, learning and practicing mental skills, is that those challenges become easier to manage. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's life coming into the ice like that, or it's a bad season of performance affecting our home life and making you impossible to live with. I've heard that story too. Um, Or simply uh, a weaker team and it's affecting your confidence. Very common issue. These are all these mental challenges. What I found in my research was that goalies tend to face more thought-based challenges than they do emotion-based challenges. The things that get in their way is thinking, thinking. And so that is why meditation, which identifies our thought patterns and enables us to start to control them. We turn off the autopilot. We're driving now. Mm -hmm. That is why it is the foundational practice. We'll come around to emotions and managing those. And a lot of those then get triggered by the thinking too much 
causes poor performance, yeah. causes failure, causes emotions. Exactly. It's all like dominoes stacked. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. That, that's like one thing I was kind of just thinking about with what, what you just said is that these, these feelings that we have, these thoughts that we have directly then impact our emotions. And then it just goes back and forth. Like you were talking about the domino effect. And it's just, that's why I think the meditation practice is so important. And I think that what you said about the apps too, like it was something that was working for me for a while, but I was very inconsistent with it. Um, but now I just set a reminder on my phone just every morning to kind of quickly like on the to-do list, to-do list reminders and just, Hey, quickly reminder. And I just, right when I get up in bed, boom, first thing I do. Yeah. And I've noticed with, and I want to hear your thoughts on this is that the thoughts still come into my brain when I do the meditation, when I do the five by five breathing for seven minutes, um, which is okay, but it's just being able to allow them to come in and then just quickly focus back on the breathing. And that's when you sort of start to each time that that happens and you are able to bring yourself back to your breathing and back into the breath and the body, that's like flexing a mental muscle. And that's when you start to really build that. It's like, and it's like, physically working out, but for your brain. Yes. Um, and that's why I've noticed that that's recently been doing that approach has made an immense difference. in what you talked about, you notice your day, you're able to go about it easier. And then the yeah. mental conditioning, I'm able to kind of see these thoughts pop into my head if they're negative and say, okay, I know how to, you know, through the meditation practice, you know how to like, okay, yeah. back to, back to the body, Let back it to go. the present. Let yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. the past I might've like dwelled on it or really felt like, oh, that this thought, this feeling is real. And it's like, no, I can control this. I know how to manage that. And I feel like through this meditation practice that I've been recently doing and that you've been talking about, I feel like it definitely has made my days easier to go about. And I, and I feel like, like you said, again, in the driver's seat, like you were just yeah. spitting out gold this, this whole time. So I'm happy. And just like, I'm just Thank like, you. it's, it's bringing me back to places that I've been where I'm at now and kind of like the growth in it. And it just, it, it really does work. And I think that there is the taboo. It's getting better now with meditation. Like it's very voodoo-y, but it's not, it's just simply breathing, getting into your body it's, and understanding. It's, it. it's just focusing. Yeah. It's yeah. teaching yourself to stay 100% in the present moment. Because Danny, that's all that exists. Exactly. This moment right now with you and I is mm -hmm. all that exists to us. The past is gone. It doesn't exist. The future is conceptual. It doesn't exist. But if we put our energy into worrying about the past or fearing the future, we're not in the present moment. Exactly. Yeah. And so when we, these thoughts do come into our head, there's nothing wrong with that. These exercises are not to stop us from thinking. If we focus on not thinking, what are we doing? We're thinking. Mm -hmm. We're yeah, thinking about exactly. not thinking. I know it's crazy. I, I worked with it. All too I worked much. with yeah. I worked with the Carolina Hurricanes for a few seasons, and and I was teaching one of their goalies this, just this. Yeah. And we did a guided session together, and then we went out to lunch. And at lunch, I said, "So how'd that feel?" He said, "Man, I went looking for those thoughts." I said, "No, yeah. we're <laughs> thinking about thinking. No, thoughts arise naturally. Thoughts aren't bad." Thoughts arise naturally. Hmm. They're the result of an electrochemical process in our brain. But they're, that's all they are, an electrochemical process. And when we don't, we let them go, where do they go? Nowhere. Nowhere. They have no substance. They have no form. But look at how much weight we oh, put yeah. in them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a yeah. quote that I think of immediately when you say that, I, I saw it. It might have been on Instagram or Twitter, I forget, but it was just, it's, it's so true. And it speaks volumes that we suffer more in our head than we do in reality. Yes. And like, yes, it's just, it's let just me, crazy to think about. Let me draw that connection now to the same meditation practice that I teach. Um, when I was in my master's program, we had a speaker come. He was a, uh, um, a, uh, a, 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 a neuro, uh, well, he, he studied the brain. His name is Dr. Fidel Zaydan, and he was at Wake Forest Medical Center, and he was also a, a, um, a neurosurgeon. He came to speak about a study that he led of looking at alternatives to nar narcotic painkillers in chronic pain sufferers. Chronic pain is constant pain. This is like fibromyalgia. This is cancer irritable bowel syndrome, constant pain. 
And he, you, he, he applied the narcotic painkillers to one group, and he had the other group do shamatha meditation, sitting and breathing meditation. When, the, when pain, when we experience pain, what do we think about? Pain. And thinking about pain puts all of our attention and focus on it, and we perceive it in a greater sense. Well, what does that mean? More pain and more pain. And it becomes this feedback loop of thought about the pain. And we can't get out of it because it hurts, ouch, it hurts, ouch, it hurts, ouch. With the meditation, we're, we're focused, we're breathing. I feel some pain, I'm thinking about the pain. Let it go, let that thought go. I, I'm thinking about the pain, let it go. And the more repetitions of letting it go, the stronger we become and even recognizing it sooner. We let it go, we let it go, we let it go. The people that practiced the shamatha meditation had greater pain management than narcotic painkillers without the side effects of the narcotic painkillers. Holy crap. This is how powerful the brain is. This is how powerful the brain is. It's the brain that interprets that pain. Mm -hmm. Everything goes through our brain, through our mind. <clears throat> Your body is an athlete. It's like a machine. We can use that analogy. We trained it to perform very specifically. What guides that machine, tells it what to do, is a computer between your ears called your brain. But every computer needs an operating system so that it knows how to function. It tells it, and you program it. Do this, do that, do this. That's your mind. People say, I don't know the difference between my brain and mind. That's what it is. Brain is the hardware. Mind is the operating system. And so we work with both. But in mental conditioning, mental skills training, we work with the mind to begin changing the brain. And in doing this, we actually change the size and volume of the brain. When there's more brain, there's greater thought. There's faster thought. There's more creative thought. And I'll tell you what, for an ice hockey goalie, the ones that make the spectacular saves, the scorpion saves, the behind-the-back saves, mm -hmm. the diving paddle saves, those are the creative goalies that aren't stuck in their technique. Holy crap, I'm out of control. i got to get there. And they, their brain, actually, their brain function changes. They enter an alternate state of consciousness for an instant where the prefrontal cortex is shut off. All the energy from that goes to this crosstalk between sections of the brain that usually don't communicate. And that suddenly creates all this surge of creativity. And they're able to respond. And we look at it and go, holy crap. But to the goalie, it just happened. It's like taking the, instead of like taking a detour, it's just like right to the, right to the source. So I guess with that, with that communication factor, is that like when people say that, oh, I blacked out like on a, you know, if a goalie makes a big save or on a, a shootout. I didn't move, even right, see it. All right, guy, yeah. like, I don't even remember. Like, I just blacked out and it just, I made the play. Is that kind of, is that exactly what that is right yeah. there with, with that it, happening? To a, yes, to a degree, especially when the prefrontal cortex gets shut off because um, it is the seat of self-awareness. If it turns off, we're no longer self-aware. Not even, if you were to say at that moment, oh, I'm, I'm not self-aware. You suddenly lose it, become self-aware. Why? What did you say? I'm not self-aware. You started thinking about not being self-aware. You, you said I. The okay. only way for I to be awakened, to use the concept of self-awareness, is to awaken the concept of self-awareness. So you can't okay. say, okay, I'm okay, feeling okay. it. That'll, ki that'll kill it. We just want to stay there. And there's a name for this state. It's called flow state. Yeah, It is the okay. greatest, greatest state of performance in the human body. People come out of it go, having, saying they've had a spiritual experience. Because when your brain changes that way, you enter that altered state of consciousness, it is suddenly flooding your body with a huge cocktail of neurotransmitters. And those neurotransmitters make you, give you better visual acuity better reaction speed, 
no thought, no concept of failure. And also, here's what resides in the prefrontal cortex, the concept of time. Concept of time. Now, have you ever heard of people in a car accident saying everything went into slow motion? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their brain went into flow state to, to summon greater creativity. Why? To save their life. It Through fear, it recognizes, oh, my God. I got to do something. And so the prefrontal cortex shuts off. The brain energy is allocated in the form of oxygenated blood. Circuits fire in new ways. It's an alternate state of consciousness. Very similar to chemically induced alternate states of consciousness. But this is naturally induced. But the result is this flood of neurochemicals that feel so incredibly good. My God, what was that? Do we know how to get to that place and, and, and stay in flow state? I, I know that people talk about, oh, it, it, you know, find things you're passionate about and you don't have to think about having to work hard for it. And then you enter flow state and things of that nature. And um, I don't know if you know Dr. Andrew Huberman, he talks about, he, he works with vision a lot. And the more yeah. you blink, the faster time goes. But when you're able to not blink as much and hold it longer, yeah. it actually sends the, the signals to your brain and time, your perception of time doesn't time, slow down. Right. Does that have something to do with it? And flow state? In a way, but, you're, hand in hand? Yeah, but here's the thing. We've known about flow state for 40, 30, 40 years. And we had a, a set of parameters that defined flow state. And we try to reverse engineer those parameters. But flow state occurs, or what we are identifying as flow state, occurs in so many different modalities. The brainwave state of Tibetan Buddhist monks who are meditating shows flow state, but they're just sitting. How does that compare with going down class four rapids in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. where you're not just exhilarated, you're scared to death, yeah. but you go into flow state. How, do the, how are those two alike when you get into that same brain state? We've seen it on the EEG. We've seen it analyzing the brain in an fMRI. We see what the brain is doing. Now, how can we, how can we facilitate that? How can we condition the mind, begin to condition the mind to go there? Now, this is the greatest state of mental performance. We have to acknowledge that. In fact, the founder of the name, Flow State, um, a positive psychologist from Hungary, named Mihai Chiksent Mihai said that we call it flow state because all of the athletes he interviewed said, I just flowed with the moment. And he just put that name on it. They used to call it um, peak performance. Um, but what he said was, it's wonderful that we can experience this in athletics and in the arts because what this really is, is the nirvana state. You've heard of nirvana, right? Not just a band. Yeah. It's a state. It's not heaven. It's not after we die. All it is is being absolutely perfectly present in this moment. So much so that we lose awareness of ourself, of time passing. We are simply the moment. Now, I'm really going to mess with your head now. You can go into this state with another person. And the people that do this and have cracked this code are DARPA and the Navy SEALs. They train for this. I have a good friend that's a Navy SEALs trainer out in San Diego. And he just, he hates seeing me coming now because he knows I'm going to be shaking him. Tell me the secrets. (laughs) He's like, I can't, man. I can't. Are you using isolation tanks? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, you are. (laughs) <laughs> using meditation man don't okay you are it's meditation and isolation tanks <laughs> we're conditioning the mind but we're, where are we back to now step one condition the mind create self-awareness let's calm the mind let's not be attached to the thoughts because if we start thinking in flow state it stops bang i've had it happen my experiences in athletics were during penalty kills. I was a goalie. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. My time to shine, penalty kills. It's a greater challenge than the typical game. I know I've got to step it up. This is really impactful. A red light goes on in my head. And I would then find myself in flow state. And in more than one occasion, there was a defenseman on my team. It wasn't Bobby. And I remember one instance where the puck is in my stick side corner. I'm on that post looking there, watching it. And I do a head check. I look up ice. Here comes a guy sweeping down the slot for a one-timer. And I just saw that, look back, and I started to say, uh, and I was going to say, what's your man? And Bobby, not Bobby, that other defenseman said, all he said was, I got him. And he did exactly what I wanted him to do. After the game in the locker room, our stalls were together. And he looked at me and said, what the bleep was that? I said, what? He said, I read your mind. I said, and I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what it was. I said, you're crazy. But it, what it was, it was group flow. We were both in the moment so perfectly. We let those things down. So we're no longer aware of self. We're, we're one with, here's a Buddhist concept. We're one with everything. Our minds were linked up. This is documented. It's happening with jazz musicians. Jazz music has a lot of improvisation. They'll just be improvising, improvising, improvising on a theme. And one guy leading the improvisation would just look at another musician and wink. And that guy would just pick it up and just finish his sentence, the musical sentence, the musical phrase. They will be in the, in the, the zone together right in there. So we, the scientists, put jazz musicians in two fMRI machines, gave them plastic keyboards, and we said, play, improvise. We saw their brains go into flow. We saw it. We saw that reallocation of energy, of blood, and that crosstalk. There's flow. There's flow. We know the brainwave state. It is the borderline between theta and delta brainwave state, which is your brain is a sponge right there. Greatest learning. That's where if I were to hypnotize you, you would be in theta, theta delta, theta brainwave state, right near delta, the deepest state, very slow. But you're, I could, that's where they joke and say, you're, think you're a chicken and you act like a chicken. Yeah, that's yeah. not it. That's not it. I use this with my athletes when I provide them with a, um, a voice recording in which um, I'm teaching them positive relaxation uh, where I talk them through, lay on your bed. When you're going to take your pregame nap, put on your earbuds, hit play. And I simply talk them through tensing and relaxing all the muscles in their body, starting at their feet, going up their legs to their hips, to their torso, their back, down their arms, into their neck, Tensing, relaxing, tensing, relaxing. This is the basis of hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And it puts them in a six. And a lot of times they fall asleep before I finish that. It's incredible. And I've used this for other studies. And, uh, and it's very well documented. Called PMR, progressive muscle relaxation. But I've got them in this theta brainwave state now. Their mind is a sponge. So I say, Send me an email, send me a text listing 10 things that you want to be better at in your game, in your life, in your diet, in your routine, just 10 things. And then at the end of that progressive muscle relaxation script, I add a positive affirmation script saying those things they want to be better at. I see the puck. I always see the puck. I always see the puck. I control my rebounds and send the puck behind the goal line. I control my rebounds and so on. And so I'm not saying you want to be better at this. I'm saying I am good at this. I am good at this. And I'm talking to a mind, a brain that is a sponge absorbing this. I am good at it. I am Mm -hmm. good at it. And they listen to this relaxation, this positive affirmation, every pregame nap. Eventually they do it every nap because they fall asleep quickly, mm-hmm. but the mind is still listening. Yeah. And so we plant those seeds, those seeds. I believe I can do this. I do this. 
I do this. Wow, that's incredible. And that's incredibly interesting. Um, but uh, again, there we are, brainwave states, a transition from flow into brainwave states. We work with not just, we just do this. I, I want to look at everything. How can I use? I'm working with this whole thing. I've got to work with the whole thing. Not just the mind, the operating system, but the brain. Mm -hmm. But then we work with the body, breathing, focused breathing. What does breathing stimulate? It stimulates our vagus nerve. It goes directly from our abdomen to our brain. When you might hear people saying now, we actually might do some thinking with our gut. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Well, we, we have. Yeah, we've had a bunch of um, nutritional therapy practitioners yeah. on here who work with the vagus nerve and the gut. Yeah, there you go. Gut microbiome and how That's they, it. they stress the importance of everything you eat goes directly to your brain. And um, I, I, I think I butchered this in the last episode, but I just want to make sure I have this correct. But I believe that it was mentioned previously that we produce more serotonin in our gut than we do in our brain. And majority of the chem or a lot of the chemicals are produced in our gut more so than our brain, but they send the signals up to our brain. And it's just that that, that vagus nerve is like that highway that it that, is that highway that channel, but it is also affected by our breathing, greatly by our breathing. That's why you want that deep breath, filling up your, your abdomen. Don't breathe shallowly in your chest. Have a baby belly, a Buddha belly. Fill it up when you breathe because it's stimulating the vagus nerve. It's sending signals. Mm -hmm. So it starts to relax the mind, to change the brain chemistry. When we're stressed, what do people say? Just take a deep breath. Well, that's called a cleansing breath. This is it. <sighs> I just lowered my blood pressure. What sent the signal? My vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. So in my work, I work with the mind, obviously, the brain, obviously, but also the body. We're all one unit. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I don't take to every athlete and say, here's the template, do all of this this way. Every individual is an individual. So I talk with them. What, what are your struggles? What are your challenges? What do you want to be better at? What do you want to strengthen? And then we target those things. And like we said, they're all layered dominoes with other things. And then that gives us a progressive direction to follow. And everybody's different. Everybody's different. Hmm. Do you work with, you do work with people. Um, you said you've worked with brain surgeons, correct? And, and people. Na NASCAR pit crewmen. So it's just, yeah. yeah. So you've worked with everybody. And um, I'm curious, where can people reach out to you if they'd like to um, utilize your work and your services? Are, are you open for business? Are you able yeah. to take on new clients? If you can just give yourself a shout out and your business a shout out, uh, people can sure, get in contact sure. if need be. My practice is called Breakaway Performance LLC Incorporated. Um, uh, I do have a website, not a real good one. I have an intern now designing it. Okay. Awesome. But my contact information is on there. I'm on LinkedIn, a pretty strong presence there. I can be, my contact information is there. I'm on social media, Ted Monick on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And um, those are obvious ways out there. And I can give my phone number if that's acceptable to you. If, if you're willing to, I am. There, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, my phone number is area code 803-466-8223. And my email is tedmonic, one word, at gmail.com. Awesome. Now, I welcome, you know, I do consultations, one session things. People just call me and say, man, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? What are you struggling with? Try this. If it helps you out, call me back. You know, it's, uh, there's not a gatekeeper there. Say, pay me the money. And I might be a fool for that. But man, if I can make people's lives better through performance mm -hmm. or through their goalie boyfriends, you know, <laughs> the world gets better. We all start smiling. Yeah. Start smiling. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's awesome. And again, I, I appreciate um, your time coming on here and um, taking the time to, to open up about all this and just, you know, give these, this information, give these tools to the listeners. Um, I really do appreciate it. It means a lot. And I think that it's going to benefit and help a lot of people. And I, I look forward to staying in touch and I look forward to putting Please this do. out there. Yes, definitely. Great. And I look yeah. forward to putting this out there too. I think there's a lot of incredibly valuable information in this. And um, 
thank you for sharing that with us. I really do. You're very welcome. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. Likewise.